I have come here to chew bubblegum and kick ass. And I'm all out of bubblegum. Red alert. All hands stand to battle stations. Luck as foils attack positions. Prepare for battle! Autobots, roll out! Get ready, it's your weekly dose of nerd culture. All wings report in. With your crew, Obi-John Kenobi. Hello there. Commander Scott. Amazing about it, I know this ship like the back of my hand. Julian. You tell him I'm coming, and hell's coming with me, you hear? And the Doc. Great Scott. Movies, TV, streaming, video games, comic books, board games, toys, collectibles, cosplay, conventions. If it's happening in the world of geekdom, we're talking about it. So lock and load, bag and board, and roll for initiative. We've got your... Nerd Alert! Hello there. It's Obi-John Kenobi, your favorite host in all of podcasting. And welcome to your weekly Nerd Alert. Uh, Joining me this week, as always, first up, my stalwart right hand, the man who pushes the buttons when I say things like punch it. Because uh, he knows what they do, and I have to put the overlay on because it's on the original Enterprise ship for some reason. Because someone had to play that one again. It's Commander Scott, the man who keeps the nerd in the Tot Nerdy to Me Network. So when you say punch it, am I supposed to? No, no, that that's a read alert. That's no, a read alert. Yeah, read oh. alert. Yeah, no, it's oh, a... not there. Okay, cool. We're, we're living in that timeline. <laughs> Welcome, Commander Scott. Thank you. How's it going? Good. Sorry, I didn't have time to prep a nerd fact. I was busy wow. trying to get the new, the new equipment running. Sorry. That's, not, that's, that's totally on me. I'm a slacker. All right. Well, let's see if our next guest uh, can make up for that shortfall then. Uh, joining us from somewhere in time and space via, I think it's a DeLorean as usual. I don't know. It, it could be a phone booth or a police call box or. Whatever he's happening, a big wheel and a rocking chair. Uh, it's the doc. Your best. Losers always complain about their best. Winners go home and fuck the prom queen. Carla was the prom queen. Really? That's supposed to be the bartender from uh, uh, Doc Saints. Cause, yep. Because that's exactly, exactly what it sounded like. Uh, you didn't do enough cussing, though. <laughs> Ass fuck. A lot better. There you go. Come on, man. This is Fraggle Rock. It's a kid show. Because <laughs> same actor, and that still blows my mind every time I watch Boondock Saints. Uh, he's supposed to be passing off postcards from Uncle Traveling Matt. Why is he so mad at everybody? Uh, this is your weekly nerd alert. Uh, and this week, we've got a very special episode for you. And by that, I mean like... 80s 90s uh sitcom very special episode uh because this week we are all dedicated to one topic uh in fact one person um 2020 has been a shit year pretty much all around for pretty much everybody no matter how you slice it uh it's not been a great year for anybody um but uh recently just last week it's uh it really turned up the notch on how shitty of a year it could be and we lost one of the great ones. We lost one of the absolute icons of the silver screen. Uh, 
uh, Sean Connery passed away uh, just last week. So this week, we are going to honor that amazing Scotsman with uh, basically a tribute to Sean Connery. We're talking all things Sean Connery this week. Uh, His best films, some of his worst films, our favorite films, uh, missed opportunities, things he could have been but passed up on, and, you know, what weird world would we live in if he took some roles? Um, Basically, we're just going to freestyle and talk about the man Sean Connery and tell you why we love him so much um, and why it's amazing that even though he is gone, uh, his work will live forever. So, yeah, much like the theme to Highlander. <laughs> How does that go again, Jay? Wait, 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 wait. I know this. Hold on. Uh-huh. Hold on. Oh, I got it. I got it. I got it. Okay. Flash, ha, ha, savior of the universe. Oh, no. It's, it's right, right band. Wrong oh. movie. You're close. You're close. Oh, God. I'll give oh. you a B minus for effort. Now, the theme is dun 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 Oh, yeah. dun that's the, that's the theme to James Bond. That's enough, Junior. What? What? He named the dog Don't Indiana. Not the <laughs> uh, All right, so we're In Latin. F A E O Huxtable. Uh, Tito, Jermaine, I don't know what's going on. <laughs> I think you might be spitballing those last few, but I appreciate your conviction. Uh, all right, so we're just going to hop in. Uh, let's start with, because we've already kind of done it, um, favorite roles Connery has played over the years? Because, man, there's a lot. He uh, he lived to be 90 years old, and according to IMDb, he has 94 film credits. Uh, so it's a lot to cover. What do you guys got? Um, well, I, I, let's just cover the elephant in the room right away. James Bond. Who? Bond. James Bond. Never heard of him. Oh, you mean CIA agent Jimmy Bond? I know that guy. Yeah, Jimmy Bond. Yep. Uh, <laughs> it's a deep cut for you Bond nerds. <clears throat> Especially so, when you say he's a CIA agent. Wow. Yep. That original Casino Royale. Uh, yes, go Jay. Sorry. Yes. Anyway, as long I mean, everybody knows him as James Bond, and I love him as James Bond. But I'm not here to talk about talk about him as James Bond in the James Bond films. Oh. What I'm here to talk about is a fan theory I one million percent support. Does this tie together multiple of his movies? Uh one for sure. Including the one you already quoted. Yes. Okay. So there is a fan theory that Sean Connery's character from The Rock is actually mm-hmm. James Bond. And that his code name, so the code name James Bond in 007, is replaceable, which is why there's so many different James Bonds. There, you know, it's mm-hmm. what are we up to? Like six or seven different ones? Yeah. So the theory is when you when you're assigned as Agent 007, the code name that comes with that is James Bond. So every actor is James Bond taking over the mantle of 007 from the previous one who died or retired or what have you. And right. what lends credence to that, and then also leads into The Rock, which is one of his best movies. Uh, like like you said, Jay, is that um, John Mason, the character he plays in The Rock, is actually his bond character who got captured 
and that's what happened to that bond why he got replaced yeah so his so so mason is his real name but Mm -hmm. he took on the persona of james bond when he was assigned as 007 yeah so how does that explain why he did what he did to get thrown in into alcatraz well he was stealing microfilm so you're corrupting james bond you're taking the greatest james bond of all time and calling him a traitor no, no, he's not a traitor no, no. to the United States. Betray. Yeah, he's he was stealing microfilm from the United States. So you're saying Great Britain, our longest running and closest supported ally for the past two centuries, had James Bond spying on us? We're not saying that. Jerry Bruckheimer is saying that, and, and uh, nobody we like the saying idea. It. <laughs> it's not <laughs> proven facts. But I do like the idea of it because then it it, it kind of makes Mason's character a little more like badass than he is. You know, and it I mean? is left very vague in the rock as to what exactly it was. Like, yeah, there's the he he's hidden microfilm, but it's it's kept very uh, where exactly did he get it from? Like, they never give you specifics of what happened with John Mason. They just say uh, he officially doesn't exist. He's not on the books. He's in a, a, a prison where they literally locked him up and threw away the key because he wouldn't talk uh, when he was caught. And and they they obviously didn't catch him with the microfilm. Uh, so he's he's like this dirty little secret that only uh, the the one agent um, knows about. So it's left very vague as to exactly what happened because it's the rock and it doesn't really matter. Yeah, right. We just need an excuse to insert awesome Sean Connery character. Yeah, and one of the the best uh, car chase scenes ever filmed. Dude, you just fucked up your Ferrari. <laughs> <laughs> You've stolen my Humvee. I'm only borrowing your Humvee. Humvee. (laughs) Uh, You know, I love that theory, Jay. Uh, Absolutely. I think it makes it, it takes what's already arguably the best action movie of the 90s and makes it that much more badass uh, to to insert that that really is the Connery Bond. Having one last go around. Um, No, I I, I love that theory. And uh, it, it really ties those roles together. I like it. Yeah. And I do love, I absolutely love the theory of the, the James Bond codename theory. I absolutely love that idea. Uh, at one point, they were going to work it into, I think, Die Another Day was going to uh, make that official. And then they, they backed, the producers got cold feet and backed off on it. Because there's a scene in, I think it's Die Another Day, where he, he meets up with um, John Cleese's Q or R, or whatever he's supposed to be called, uh, in an old like decommissioned site. And it's got a bunch of gadgets from previous movies. And that was supposed to be like the scene where they like reveal that it was a code name, but whatever. Um, so yeah, no, that's, it's fun. I like that, Jay. Yeah, I don't, I don't mind the theory. I like the theory, but I like it as a theory. I really wouldn't want them to confirm it. Um, no, I, yeah, I'm with you, Scott. I don't want it to be confirmed. I just want to think as I'm watching the rock just to myself go, Oh, that's James Bond. You know, <laughs> it's just like, it makes it that much more fun for me. Not that The Rock isn't already a batshit crazy fun movie, but it well, makes it more fun. And you said yourself, um, Bond is the gorilla in the room because it's hard to talk about Connor without talking about Bond. Um, and, and the fact that he was the original and arguably still the most iconic Bond 
did good, bad, love it or hate it lead to him getting other roles? And I'm going to talk about one. Um, one of, I think, all of our favorite roles of Sean Connery is Henry Jones Sr. in Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. That role was written for Sean Connery because, to quote Spielberg and Lucas, who else could be the father of Indiana Jones except James Bond? Because that's yeah. how that project came to be. The, uh, uh, Lucas and Spielberg were on a beach in, I believe, Hawaii, while I think it was Star Wars and uh, Close Encounters were opening, because they had a tradition of getting out of out of like uh, uh, Hollywood, out of California when their movies were opening, just to, to get away from all the, the crap. And they were talking about, so what, what do you want to do next? What's next up for you? And Spielberg said, I kind of want to do a Bond movie. That'd be fun. And, and Lucas said, no, 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 forget Bond. I got something better. And pitched him Indiana Smith, which then became Indiana Jones. So when they were looking for the someone to portray, uh, they had the idea of bringing in his father. They're like, well, it's 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 got to be James Bond. It's got to be Sean Connery. And that leads us to, I think, one of his best roles. Yeah. He, yeah. he gets to be both a man of action and the comedy relief, mm-hmm. which you don't see a lot. Uh, right. He, he gets you definitely see where Indy gets his intellectual side from. Uh, his in in the whole um, <laughs> you would have hated it, Dad. There were rats everywhere. Like, oh, okay, his dad hates rats and and he hates snakes, and it's like the, you see the connective tissue, um, but they're still very different because his a senior is very much an intellectual. Uh, which is not to take away from him, uh, you know, in a pinch, he, he, uh, he can quote Charlemagne with the best of them. Uh, and he, he <laughs> does take down a, uh, a Nazi, is it a dive bomber with a flock of birds and an umbrella? So I think it's, uh, a Messerschmitt. Is it a Messerschmitt or is it a, yeah, it's a Messerschmitt. It's either a Messerschmitt or a Stuka. No, no give them yeah, <laughs> hand credit. He, he takes down a, a plane with a flock of birds and an umbrella. Yep. Um, he suddenly Literally. remembered his Charlemagne. <laughs> yep. Uh, it d- does lead to one of my favorite lines from him. Because, again, part of the fun of the the uh, dynamic between Indy and his dad is his dad is kind of the, the buffoon in, in certain – because his dad is totally out of his element. His dad is not the man of action. He's a scholar. So oh. you're taking him out of his comfort zone. And uh, so the the scene where they're running or not running, they're flying away from the Zeppelin on the plane and they get chased after. And he's trying to track with the um, the backseat of the plane, trying to shoot down the enemies. And he blows off the tail of the plane and just goes, son, sorry, they got us. Yeah. That movie has such, I mean, that movie is so quotable all the way through, too. I didn't know you could fly a plane. (laughs) Fly, yes. Land. No. She, she talks in her sleep. <laughs> Dad, I was the next man. <laughs> uh, awkward conversations with your father. Yeah. And then uh, I, I already said it, but I'll say it again. The uh, <laughs> What is with this Henry Jr. business? That's his name, Henry Jones Jr. I like Indiana, Dad. I named the dog Indiana. And then Sala, you were named after the dog? Got a lot of fond (laughs) memories of that dog. And then they all ride off in the sunset, and we never see Indiana Jones again. It's a great, great last movie in that trilogy. No, no, sorry. No, no. I mean, you can can hate Crystal Skull all you want. It's not the movie. No, I like the Crystal Skull. 
you it's would. No, it's no Last Crusade, but it's no worse than Temple of Doom. Who? Okay. Nah, Temple of Doom is the worst in the series. I would watch Crystal Skull any day before I watch Temple of Doom. All right. Well, there's a topic for a different show. Uh, yeah. Well, <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, when, yeah, when, good, when you're sorry. talking, so no, you're good. When you're talking quotable, and like, you know, I quoted from The Rock. But that's another thing. Like, he has some funny moments in that movie, too. Like, when uh, he shoots the air conditioning unit down on top of the guy. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Nick Cage is like, do you think he could do something about that? And he goes, what? Do you want me to kill him again? <laughs> <laughs> is that normal? What, the foot thing? Yes, the foot thing. Oh, that, yeah. Such a good movie. Let's so- not forget the he gets the trailer line of "Welcome to the Rock." Yep, yep. Uh, uh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's been a very long time since I've seen that movie. I don't remember much about it other than that car chase. It oh. is okay. Look, it's it's a '90s action movie, so it doesn't make sense if you start thinking about the plot at all. Uh, so don't think about it. Just enjoy the ride. Uh, and it is, I, I honestly, I think you can make the argument. It's the best action movie of the nineties. It is, it is such greatness in so many levels and so yeah. over the top in the best ways, uh, with an amazing cast, just like a stupidly talented cast. You've and, got between the, your two leads and your villain, you've got at least three Academy Award winners, uh, Connery and Cage and, uh, oh God, my mind is blanked. Um, Ed Harris. General... Yeah, thank you, Ed Harris. Uh, in a '90s action movie, it's awesome. Um. Oh, and even though I know we're talking about Sean Connery, but it also has Michael Bean making his third appearance as a Navy SEAL. Yes, it does. That's what we're it... supposed to say. Ooh, Navy SEALs. No, because you're not Koran. That's true. I'm not. <laughs> Uh yeah. So yeah. So so as far as Bond, him actually in Bond. Yeah. No, let's do it. Let's get yeah. let's 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 yeah. take care of that. Yeah. Who, who? Which one is everybody's favorite as far as Connery as Bond? Which which one does everybody love? Favorite, the first favorite Connery Bond movie. Um, yeah, just the Connery is Bond. It? Okay. Okay. Yeah. I'm 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 prepared for this. Let me go to page two. Go to okay. page two. <laughs> and John the page. I had the I had the day off. I am prepared. What did you say, Jay? Uh, I was just gonna say for me it's gotta be the first, the original, um Doctor No. Mm-hmm. It's just good. I like it. I like that one a lot. Because I don't know, it's like the first like time it's actually bond and you've got connery just being all suave you know okay just i just really like it scott um for for me uh, i always loved uh, goldfinger that was agree yeah that's a good one so 110 percent. yeah goldfinger I, i love he's well established he's not fighting uh, Spectre or anything, you know, it's it's just him on a mission. Um, but it, it's the first Bond film I ever saw. 
some of it takes place in Kentucky, you know. I mean, hell, mm-hmm. the gold depository, and you know, that's, that's where I'm from, so gotta love that. He gives you the great character name of Pussy Galore. You must, uh, I must be dreaming. You know, later to be called, yep. you know, later to be parodied as Alana Vagina. Then <laughs> <laughs> uh, you get the great line. You get the great line from Goldfinger, you know, where, he, where he's strapped to the table and he's got a laser of pure gold. I still understand. What do you expect me to do? Talk? <laughs> no, Mr. Bond. I expect you to die. And that's when he, when he realizes he's in trouble. <laughs> he's like, is that, is that also the one with Odd Job? Yes. Yes, it is. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yes. Yeah. So, yeah, Goldfinger for me is my favorite Connery Bond. It's a good one. I am, I'm 100% on board with Scott, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to dogpile on what he just said. So, yeah, it, it, the only negative thing I can say about um, Goldfinger is I believe it's the only Connery Bond that doesn't involve Spectre, which is sad because Spectre is a big part of the early Bond stuff. Uh, but that being said, uh, Ulrich Goldfinger is an amazing villain. Ajab is the most, arguably the most iconic henchman. Um you get uh, the, that awesome laser scene, which is classic straight-up Bond. Again, it's iconic Bond. Even if you've never seen that movie, you know that inter- uh, interaction because it's been sort of homaged and parried so many times. Uh, you also get, as brief as it is, the Shirley Eaton um, death by being painted with gold, like that image of the all-gold dead girl on the bed. Uh, even Bond later in Quantum of Solace played tribute to that with the, the girl dead because of oil. Even though skin suffocation is not a real cause of death, um, it's a Bond movie. Stop thinking about it. Uh, <laughs> and then, um, I think Goldfinger's his of the Bond movies he did. I think it's the most iconically Bond. It has all the elements you expect from a Bond movie. One of which I have to talk about because it really set the standard um, that I don't think we ever really topped. Which is, it's the movie that introduces. The Aston Martin DB5, complete with rotating license plate, smoke screen, bulletproof rear screen, oil slick, ejector seat, because we all need that, uh, front machine guns, a GPS tracker dashboard in 1964, uh, and tire slashers straight from Ben-Hur. That that car and the chase scene involving it are absolute classic Bond um, the Aston Martin DB5, which literally premiered in this movie. Um, I think the, one of them is actually a DB4 that they had to modify because they didn't have a DB5 yet. Um, uh, but it, it's it's that car is synonymous with Bond. Again, to the point that now in the Craig movies, at least two of the Craig movies have brought that car back. Giving further credence to the idea that Bond is a code name because the car from 1964 is now in a car in the 2000s or in a movie in the 2000s. Yeah. Just put that out. Sorry. But of, of all, in, in, it's, it's, it's hard to separate Connery from Bond because Bond is such an iconic character and uh, good, bad, or indifferent. Connery kind of it made his career. He struggled against it and famously had you know follow with the producers and quit and then came back and then quit 
and then made another one. Uh, like he even he couldn't uh, from from 1962 with Doctor No up until Never Say Never Again, which I know was an unofficial Bond movie, but he's still playing James Bond, and that was in 1983. So for 20 years, even when he wasn't Bond, he was still Bond. So it's only right to give some credence to that role, I think. Yep. He was uh, he was always Bond. He'll always be Bond. Always. Yep. All right. I'm checking off the list. Well, I yeah. I, yes. I just I want to bring up another one, and Scott brought it up earlier. But this is one of okay. my favorite Sean Connery movies. Okay. I've read the book as well. And well, aren't you Mr. Fancy Pants? <laughs> the book is good, but like you don't know who you wanted the character to be. And I read the book after I had seen the movie. So the entire time I was reading The Hunt for Red October. Ramius was Sean Connery in my head the whole time. Really? Yeah. <laughs> like, now, had you seen the movie before you read the book? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, okay, okay. I, yeah. I, I thought you were saying you had read the book before seeing the movie and you had cast in your head Sean Connery. Because I've read the book as well, and I'm like, I, I see Sean Connery as well, but because of the movie. And I was, but if I yeah. hadn't seen the movie, if I hadn't had that pre-casting in my head, I don't know if I would have cast him. Right, I don't... I don't either, but like I had I had seen the movie like I don't know, probably about half a dozen times before reading that book. And just every time that I you know, they talked about Ramius, I was like, Hey, there's Sean Connery. <laughs> like you can't I don't know, you just can't like turn it off after you see a movie. Um but <laughs> he's he's in that movie he was just sort of like, damn your Russian accent. I'm gonna talk the way I talk. And you're just going to accept the fact that I am a Russian sub-commander. At, at you know point, why? Because I'm Sean Connery. Exactly. exactly. In Connery's career, his his accent was universal. You accepted it as Scottish, British, Russian, Australian, whatever he needed to be at the time. That's just what you accepted him as. Yeah. It's... Now, I did uh, I did read uh, that apparently when he first really, when he first started filming <clears throat> for the Hunt for Red October, he 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 filmed several scenes with uh, uh, I guess a, a ponytail of some kind. He wanted to have a ponytail. And he had some kind of an extension or something that gave him a ponytail, and he really liked it until I guess he overheard some stagehands or some you know crew on set somewhere saying something about it looked like a penis, and so he he got rid of the ponytail and he made them reshoot all the scenes that they had shot wasn't much. It was just like a day or so of filming, but <laughs> reshoot everything to get rid of the ponytail. Now, are, are we talking like Medicine Man ponytail, or... I don't know. <laughs> I don't think there's any pictures. I've never found a picture that exists with the, the Red October ponytail, but... Yeah. Uh, I, I don't think it's a coincidence, though, that you know in Medicine Man, he does have a ponytail. Because I think he just really wanted to do a movie with a ponytail. He just had a ponytail in Highlander, didn't he? Uh, Is it a ponytail or like a top knot thing? It was a a braid, wasn't it? Sort of a... Uh, Yeah. Well, since you brought it up, 
Oh, right. Scott. Yes. Do you want to cue the greatest character name in the history of cinema? The greatest character name and one of the greatest introductions we have from Highlander. Here we go. Greetings. I am Juan Sanchez de Lobos Ramirez, Chief Metallurgus to King Charles V of Spain, and I'm at your service. Love that intro. It's a great yeah. intro. Uh, so look, Highlander is a crazy movie that shouldn't work, but does. It's one of those, like, this could only have worked in the 80s kind of movies. It's an awesome premise that just gets crazy, and the casting only gets crazier. And it was a first-time director who was known for music videos, but it gave us so many awesome uh, sword fights and, and one of the greatest villains of that era with the Kurgan. And, uh... Our hero is is the Highlander, uh, Duncan, not Duncan, Connor McLeod, sorry. Um, and as we know, in the hero's journey, uh, if you're going to have your, your young up-and-coming hero, your Luke Skywalker, if you want to call it, you got to have your, your mentor. you got to have your Obi-Wan Kenobi. And if you're going to out Obi-Wan Kenobi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, you name him <clears throat> Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez. And you have a Scotsman play an egyptian immortal who's served uh was it three or four different uh, rulers throughout history at the time that he he meets uh connor he's serving the king of spain there you go mm-hmm. chief metallurgist mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> with again <laughs> that fucking sean connery accent <laughs> because fuck <laughs> you i'm sean connery <laughs> I'm supposed to be an Egyptian Spaniard, but I'm going to talk with the Scottish accent. And you're going to buy it because I'm Sean Connery. The the Egyptian Spaniard carrying a katana. Let's not forget that. He he trained uh, swordsmanship and magic in Japan. We learned that in the third movie, which I do not recommend. Well, I definitely don't recommend the second movie, but we'll get to that later. (laughs) But uh, look, Highlanders is one of those. it's 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 a lot of fun. Um, again, you don't think about it too much. Well, uh, go ahead. When it comes to Highlander, uh, I, I know we don't we don't talk about uh, Highlander too much, uh, or even if at all, there are people who just hate it that much. And it's not the best in the movie, in thing, but it has one of my favorite Sean Connery moments. Okay, is in the second one. I think I know where you're going with this. Um, so it's when he it's when he gets brought back. Yes, and he's. He, he he pops in on on the stage as Hamlet is being performed, uh, and it's 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 the uh, it, it's it, it's when he's talking to uh, Yorick's skull. You know, he says, "Alas, poor Yorick! I knew him, Horatio." And he pops in. And he look, he's looking really confused because he doesn't know what's going on, you know. And and he basically excuses himself for intruding, and he says, "You know, by all means, you know, please continue talking to your skull." Um, and the reason he looks so confused, and this is why I love it, is in the first movie, um, Juan Sanchez Villalobos Ramirez, uh, he's killed in 1542. Hamlet isn't written until sometime uh, between 1599 and like 1601. So he doesn't know what this is. It, it's a brand new play to him. Well, it's all for everybody else, but he's never seen it before. So I love the fact that they kept they they kept they paid that much attention to the timeline that you know this person who died before Hamlet was written wouldn't know what Hamlet is and they maintain it so 
is my 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 favorite Juan Sanchez scene, other than his entrance, of course. That is a good like it's it's a good entrance. Sean Connery always makes a good entrance, uh, even in movies that are just just terrible. <laughs> how did how did our close personal friend of the show? Um, um, Damn it, my mind will blank again. This is why I take notes. Uh, Shaggy. Uh, Jay, what is his name? You met him with me. Oh, oh. Matthew Lillard. Yeah, our dear friend, Matthew Lillard. How did he phrase when we talked, or when you talked to him about uh, Wing Commander? That's just awful. Yeah, there you go. (laughs) That's just the worst. I think is what he said. That is the seal we give Highlander 2. That's just awful. Well, I mean, if we're going to go down the hole, now, if you open up this can of worms. Okay, we're open every can of worms. Right. It's just everything's sort of, it's leading into other things. It's all an homage to Sean Connery. Just go with the flow, baby. And I'm sorry, but I'm just going to go ahead and say it. The movie that basically made him retire from acting. Oh, we're going right to that, okay. The League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Oh, man. <sighs> what? Am I the only one that doesn't hate that movie? Probably. Why no. does this movie get so much hate? I, I, Scott, I was with Jason that this movie sucked until I tracked down and read the comic. Yeah! And then I reversed my decision. Yeah, I mean... Granted, it's it's not like the, the greatest movie ever made, but I mean, you're going to the theater to see a somewhat steampunk ish film about uh, Sean Connery playing, you know, Alan Quartermain leading uh, uh, a clandestine team, you know, of you know Captain Nemo, Doctor Jekyll and Mister Hyde, Dory, uh, uh, Nina. Uh, I can't remember Nina's last name. You know, oh, thank you, Nina Harker. You know that that's based off of a graphic novel. What what were you expecting? No, Me? I'm expecting exactly what I got. I I'm on board with you with all that. Like, I'm I'm a hundred percent on board with. Yeah, okay, I I get it. It's based off a graphic novel. It's I had a very good idea of what to expect, but what I did not expect was just the horrific show of acting but not from Sean Connery pretty much everybody else that's what i couldn't get behind oh no i was i was fine with the, the performances ah uh, no that uh my i, my issue I still with can't the, wash it my issue <laughs> Just, with the movie upon first seeing it was that you had a lot of cool characters and it's something about it just didn't quite mesh. And it might've just been the, the slapdash way that they picked literary characters and threw them together. Um, some of them worked, some of them didn't. Uh, but overall I was just kind of like, eh, okay, that could have been cooler. And then again, Scott, uh, I tracked down the graphic novel when I was in uh, college mm-hmm. um, from Alan Moore. Mm-hmm. Who? Because I, I read Watchmen and I loved Watchmen, and I'm like, well, what else has he done? He had what? Well, well, I got track this. To, oh, he wrote *Leave Us Running Gentlemen*. Well, I, I better read that. I bet that's awesome. And then I read *LXG*, and the the graphic novel uh, 
and I'm sure this will be a hot take, is boring as fuck. Uh, Mina Harker is 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 the character from Dracula, uh, and, and they they mention that she's. I don't think they ever flat out name Dracula, but they expect you to know that character from literature, and they allude to her her being a vampire. But nowhere in the graphic novel does she ever vamp out. No. Or use her vampire abilities at all. To the point where you're like, why is she here? Uh, so I went back and we rewatched the movie after reading the book. Because I was like, wow, that was really like, is there more? Is there like a second volume that I missed to this? And there is. There's like the black dossier. But uh, even that's still boring. So <laughs> after reading after reading that stuff, I went back to the movie and I was like, all right. The movie makes a lot more sense now. It was like, hey, Alan Moore had a cool idea. Take a bunch of literary characters, throw them together, uh, and have it be a sort of like an Avengers of of you know, like you're a kid sitting in your advanced uh, English class and you're super bored, so you start putting together an Avengers teams of all your required reading. So you got a little bit of Huck Finn, you got a little bit of uh, Sherlock Holmes, some Jekyll and Hyde, uh, a dash of Alan. Get in there, throw it in a blender. Here's the movie you get. It could have been a lot worse having seen the the source material uh, and, and uh, the movie again. It's it's not fantastic, but like Scott said, what are you expecting? Yeah, uh, and and apparently, I, so I'm guessing I, by the sounds of it, I'm the only one of the three of us who had actually read League of Extraordinary Gentlemen before seeing the movie. Yeah, I didn't get into comics till college. I'm sorry, I was I was a late bloomer. You should have came. You should have been reading comics from. You know, age two. All right, just letting you know. That did not happen. Sorry. Age two. Sorry. Nineties cartoons were my gateway drug in the comic books, Scott. Sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Fox Kids. Oh well. <laughs> Spider Man, Batman, X Men. Thanks, Fox Kids. <laughs> oh, Saturday morning cartoons. <laughs> you were my gateway drug. This is all your fault. It's true. Uh, but yeah, uh, whatever we think of it, the movie did not go over very well at the time with critics or fans or box office wise. And it is the last on screen appearance of Sean Connery. After that, he basically decided he didn't understand Hollywood anymore and went into retirement. So after spoiling the fate of his character on a fucking talk show, have we talked about that? No, it's it's the best Sean Connery doesn't give a fuck moment ever. He was on Leno or Letterman or somebody, um, and they were talking to him about because he was there to promote the movie. You know, so this is like a like a comic book movie kind of thing. He's like, yeah, 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 it's based on a comic. And they're like, well, those are those are starting to be like the hot new ticket. Like, so is this a franchise or are we going to see uh, more of these movies? And Connery basically says, I'm paraphrasing because I didn't look up the interview, but he says, well, no, I die in this one, so I think I'm done. On the talk show! <laughs> yeah. Yep. Yeah. Zero Fs given yeah. by Sean Connery. You know, in all honesty, until you just said that, I, was, I looked it up here, I did not realize that League of Extraordinary Gentlemen was his last uh, live-action role. Yep. I think he has a couple of voice appearances after voice that. Appearances. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, no, that was basically he he declared he was retired and and bless him, he stuck to it because there were plenty of people offering him roles even after that and he turned them all down. Uh, including coming back to Indiana Jones, he turned that down. So Yeah, I kind of would I would have liked to have seen him 
uh, back in Crystal Skull. I would have. Uh, well, before we jump to that, in the other Highlander two is just it's bad. It's like, what were you guys yeah. smoking? Uh, like on paper, it's like an interesting idea. Okay, we want to make a sequel to Highlander. Let's go into the lore of the immortals and where they come from. And then, okay, that that sounds cool. Yeah, we'll watch that. And then it turns out that they're really aliens from a different planet. Um, and yeah. now it's Wait, it's, it's sci-fi. The second one is set in the future, which again on paper, okay, not a bad idea. He's an immortal; he lives forever. It could be the future that they could that could be cool. It's the future where we put an artificial energy field over the Earth because the ozone is dead. And so yeah, we scorched the sky. Yeah, it was wow. Yeah, went bad seventies sci-fi like quickly, but also sword fights. Well, sword um, fights. Mm-hmm. Yep. Uh, uh, now I, I have never seen this movie, but I've okay. never really heard good things about it. And then I completely forgot that Sean Connery was in it until I was looking on his IMDb page. Uh-oh. Uh, the Avengers. Oh yeah. Like not like to I be said, confused with Marvel's The Avengers. No, no, right. And like I said, I've never seen this movie, but like I remember seeing previews for it and being very confused. And I have never heard anything good said about that movie. Scott, so. this is where you come in. So you were never a fan of the uh, the nineteen sixties British television series, The Avengers, that the ne- that was based on. Never even heard of it. Okay, so you really need to watch this this series because it's a really good series. Okay, so you've got two secret agents, uh, and I I'll be honest, I forget the organization they work for, um, but the 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 code name. Uh, of their their handler is mother, um, and you've got John Steed and Emma Peel, and uh, uh, John Steed I, I can't remember the actor's name that played him in the '60s, but he's the every bit the distinguished you know gentleman with the derby hat and the umbrella, uh, almost like a Kingsman kind of uh, right right agent. Yeah, he he is the archetypal English gentleman spy. Yeah, um, and. Uh, every episode starts with uh, John Steed coming to see Mrs. Peel, uh, and uh, 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 basically either he says or he slips her a card that basically says, Mrs. Peel, we're needed. And then they're off on whatever adventure it is. And it's always something fantastical, like alien invasions or time travel or you know something fantastic. But in a very Scooby-Doo fashion, by the by the end of the show, when the storyline is resolved, it's uh, it, it's a very mundane premise. It's a it's a mundane. Uh, the fantastical is not real. It's all smoke and mirrors, perpetrated by whatever bad guy is going on. So, the movie, in my opinion, had excellent potential. Um, great cast. Great cast, because you've got. Um, Ralph Fiennes as John Steed and Uma Thurman as as Emma Peel and and I love this casting, but they they, they fall into two two tra- traps that movies of this this ilk fall into in my opinion is one they try to make it an origin story, so 
Uma Thurman is not an agent in in this. She's not, you know, an a- Emma Peel is not an agent. They make her Doctor Emma Emma Peel, and, and this is where she meets John Steed, and they kind of bring her in. But there's a second Uma Thurman Emma Peel in the movie, and I don't completely understand how it worked. But well, it didn't work. But perhaps it worked. <laughs> and then they completely ignore the fantastical with a mundane explanation format that the show had. They completely throw that away. And you've got Sean Connery as Sir Auguste de Winter, uh, I guess, trying to play off the Three Musketeers villain of the uh, Milady de Winter. I don't know. Um, I don't know what they were trying to do there. Uh, and, and he's literally, he's got a weather changing. He's going to destroy the world with a weather changing machine. But his no... name is de Winter, get it? <laughs> But, but it was, I mean, you know, it was, it was real. He was, he actually had the capacity, and they had to stop it. Uh, so, yeah, this movie does not work. Um, uh, I recommend watching the series if you ever get a chance, and if you want, I can probably try and hook you up with that series. Um, but, um, but yeah, this movie did not work. Not it it has a very, very, very troubled production history. Uh, which which may or may not account for some of its downfall. Uh, it was cut from an original 115 minutes down to 89 minutes uh, after a disastrous first test screening. Um, I also believe it, it suffered from we don't understand the source material uh, itis because uh, this was a Warner Brothers production of a British TV show turned yeah. into a movie because this was still in the 90s. The TV show was becoming a new big budget movie. Um, Thanks, Brady Bunch. Yeah, yeah, at at one point, Sean Connery as the... Which, again, casting Sean Connery as essentially a Bond villain in... You know, the Avengers were a 60s uh, uh, spy TV show, which predates Bond by like a year. So, interesting casting choice. That could have been a lot of fun. But at one point, he's, he's hosting a meeting of all the bad guys where they're all dressed in giant furry teddy bear costumes so that no one will know who they are. God, I forgot and, about that. Yeah, I, I think they were going for, like, Monty Python British absurdist humor, and it just comes off as dumb. Yeah, this whole movie just does not work. The, the only real good part of this movie to watch is literally the, uh, Ralph Fiennes' entrance into the movie. It's, is when he's introduced. That's yeah. not the best part. Yeah, it's um, it's not great, but but I would still argue even in it, Connery is doing his best. He is. Um, apparently, it was greenlit mostly because of the amazing cast. Like, oh yeah, they want to be in it. Sure, make it. We don't understand what this is, but we've got names, and that'll sell a movie because it's 1997, and that's all you need in 1997 is famous names. Um, but yeah, uh, I, I got what. Well, go ahead. Well, I was going to say, because that's, that's coming right off of, you know, his being in The Rock in 96 and stuff. But if you go back to 95, you've got another great role that he should have been great in, but it's not a good movie. At least in my okay. first. Okay. If we're talking, you know, roles in movies that just didn't didn't really work and weren't the best, the first night, you know, I, I did not care for first night. Scott, I, I want you to know, I have two columns, yeah. best and worst. Yeah. And in the middle of those two columns, I have first night <laughs> because I'm with you. 
that should have been a home run. Um, and as a fan of Arthurian lore, I fucking hate that movie. Yeah. But damn it, it's Sean Connery as King Arthur, so I can't disown it. Well, it's 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 got some great stuff as with Connery as 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 Arthur. Um I I love it's it's my favorite round table. Yes. Cause, Cause that's where they all come together and they they put their swords in the sections, right? Yeah. No, the, yeah. the, the costume design is fantastic. Uh the wardrobe was on point. The set direction is great. It's a great looking um uh Camelot. Yeah. Even the, the action scenes, there's there's some some battles and some some sword fighting that's pretty on point. And First, then Richard Gear shows up. Yeah, there was <laughs> Damn, Richard Gere is Lancelot. Fucking Richard Gere. Not work. Which totally skews that story, because if you're any woman and your choices were Sean Connery at 60 plus or Richard Gere, I know who you're going to want to romp with. Sean Connery every time. Well, that's Napoleon. Sure. Uh, (laughs) But I know... it, it, it's a Arthur movie that paid no attention at all to the actual stories and legends of King Arthur. And it was just like, uh, we're just going to write whatever we want. Yeah. We're just going to uh, Richard Gere movie and yeah. sprinkle how some La- Arthurian stuff around it. How did Lancelot become the most trusted knight of Arthur? He went through an obstacle course. <laughs> That's how it happened, right? Yeah, we'll go with that. Fair. Yeah, he tried his luck at the fair, man. He always had a try. <laughs> God, it wasn't fair, wasn't it? It uh, was. God, I hate that movie so much. Well, I know there's another mid-90s movie with Sean Connery sort of in it that John just hates. Uh-oh. Oh, yeah. I only had one other on my worst one, so. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Dragonheart. I love that movie. I know John just hates oh, okay. it with a passion. Oh, yeah, <laughs> I, I see what he's doing. <laughs> Um, actually, that's not where I thought you were going, but okay. No, no, <laughs> I I really enjoy that movie. I do too. It's a great movie. It's okay. It's it. The effects are dated now because it was what ninety seven, ninety six, ninety six. Even so, that we're we're talking. So they were shooting that in ninety five. That's two years removed from Jurassic Park. And and look at the intricate animations done on the Draco character versus. Uh, the T Rex in Jurassic Park, and it's like, wow, that like we've we've come like the the technology is progressing as fast as it can, and uh, I love the dynamic between him and um, Dennis Quaid. Uh, I love everything about that movie. It's, uh, I mean, look, it's no Smaug, but uh, without it, we wouldn't have gotten the Smaug. Um, I enjoy. Oh, the friar. Uh, Pete Postlewaite? Yeah. Yes. Writing the tale of Sir Bowen. Yeah. That's good. But I mean, like, Sean Connery doing voice work. even And even in voice work, that damn dragon's got that Sean Connery accent. Because it demands your attention. Yeah. The first time you meet his character, Draco, you don't ever see Draco at all. You just see people looking up to a camera on a crane, and then you hear Sean Connery's voice. Because that's all you needed. They probably could have gotten away with the whole movie that way. Just every time the dragon was in a scene, just have it be POV. 
I think I, I would have been a little disappointed with that. Uh, I saw I saw Dragon Slayer. They, they tried to pull it off there. Ah, <laughs> uh, what one of my favorite scenes from that is when uh, Randy Quaid's not Randy Dennis Quaid's character. <laughs> Big difference. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, when Dennis Quaid's character is in his mouth with the sword in the roof of his mouth, <laughs> the stalemate, and sort of a stalemate, and then he like pulls that piece of night out of from between his teeth yeah and he's like oh thank you that's been bothering me for months and he he's like oh. the, 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 the thorn and the lion paw kind of set up going on there yeah yeah uh that's a good one i like that it's, one i love it because the movie plays against your expectations because it's not just the knight trying to track down the dragon. Because the knight and the dragon end up, because it's the 90s, uh, as a buddy cop duo. <laughs> because that's, yep. that's what the 90s does well. Uh, conning people out of their money where he just you know pretends to kill Draco over and over and over again. Uh, leading to my favorite moment, which is when he harpoons him and he's supposed to fall in the lake. And the lake is only like three feet deep. <laughs> so he's just sitting there in the lake. And Bone's like, sink, sink, sink. He's like, it doesn't go any lower. And then the whole village goes, meet, and tries to run after him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh. Gotta love it. Gotta love it. Ah. Uh, what was I going to Oh. Hold on. I got, I got one more um, great role. Oh, great no, role. Uncredited cameo. Uh, I already love this movie, and this is like the cherry on the the uh, the cake of this movie. I absolutely love Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Yeah, and right. Sean Connery almost steals the whole movie in the last like ninety seconds when he shows up as King Richard and and officially gives his blessing to Robin and Marion to be married. He's in it for less than sixty seconds. And you're just like, holy shit, Sean Connery. Oh, this has got awesome. Um yeah, it's already a great movie. And that he he is just like and again it was it was him uh his insistence to not be credited because he was barely in it. But uh He did book it yeah. very well. Great cameo. <laughs> it really is. A little bit little little uh sprinkling of Sean Connery can improve anything. Right. Except first night. <laughs> well, they used too much was the problem. They were, they were oh. over reliant on it for that is the problem. <laughs> uh, um, well, no, I was just going to bring up his. Uh, I don't know if it was his only Oscar. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Untouchables. Yes, sir. That, how how heartbroken were you at that? Oh, sorry, Scott, go ahead. I was gonna say I, I, that one. That one's on one of that, that's the top of my list of actual favorite Sean Connery roles is is Untouchables, and I think it gets forgotten about quite a bit. It gets overshadowed a lot by his uh, by his more famous roles, but his his performance in that he plays well with uh, Kevin Costner uh, in it. Um, his and, buddy from Prince of Thieves. Yes, the the whole thing. It's just it, it's just a wonderful movie. Yeah. You're not, I was just gonna say, like, how heartbreaking was that death scene? Like, yeah, this does so well. 
What? Oh, come on now. <laughs> Spoilers well, for a movie from 1987. Well, not, not only is it, you know, it's just a, it's just a really powerful death scene, but, you know, uh, uh, Elliot Ness finds him and he runs, rushes to his side, you know, and he sends the other guy back out and he's, he's, he's crawling forward. He's reaching for something and he looks over and he sees his, his, uh, uh, St. Christopher medal. I think it's St. Christopher, uh, and uh, you know his his police box key, his chain that he always kept over the floor. So he reaches and he gives it to him, and he's he's dying. And he looks at him, he's frustrated because he's like, "No, oh, you idiot! I don't need this. I'm dying." <laughs> and he reaches for the paper. He was trying to get the paper so he could tell him who it was that that, that killed him. It's just a it's just a great scene. Even even when he's dying, his the personality of his character comes full bore to the yeah yeah. It also gives us uh, my second to last entry on the amazing Sean Connery quotes, which is what I call the Chicago away speech, uh, which I'm going to horribly murder now. <laughs> you want to you want to get Capone? Here's how you get him. He pulls a knife. You pull a gun. He sends one of yours to the hospital. You send one of his to the morgue. That's the Chicago way. And that's how you get Capone. Now, do you want to do that? Are you ready to do that? I'm making you a deal. Are you taking this deal? Wow, that was that was horrible. Just, I told you it was gonna be horrible. Just letting you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, I can't do a good uh, accent, so you just get me. Is that what? No, it is. It's Sean Connery's character where he, um, I think it's Sean Connery's character where they're in the where they do the raid in Canada. Yeah, and he's like interrogating the dead body. Dead guy. Yeah, and then shoots him. It blows his head, out, blows his brains out. Yeah, and then the guy's like, "I'll talk, I'll talk, I'll talk." <laughs> What's the yes, matter? That's the way. <laughs> that's yeah, that was good. Well, and anyway, it gets it gets because because that scene is 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 great because at the end of it, you know, of course, Sean Connery knows that the guy's dead. That's why he's doing it. Kevin Costner knows the guy's dead, but they're the only two that know the guy's dead. Right. Uh, and, and, and the, the Canadian Mountie at the end of it is like, it's like, uh, I don't agree with your methods, sir. Yeah. You're not from Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> this, this movie is one of the prime examples, uh, of, of the old saying that, that, uh, uh, John, you like to say all the time. And that is never let the truth get in the way of a good story. Because if if you want a historically accurate representation of Elliot Ness, this ain't. Nope, not remotely. <laughs> this ain't it. No, this you... this is this movie doesn't give a shit about historical context. This is a movie remake of the Untouchables TV show. That's what the movie is. Yep. Distilled down to just four characters instead of the was like twelve uh, that were on the original squad. Yeah, and then, but I mean, De Niro though gives a great performance as uh, uh, as Al Capone. Yeah, and agree to disagree on that one. No, I like it because that 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 baseball bat scene. Enthusiasms, enthusiasms. It's a terrible fucking speech. (laughs) He's phoning that in the whole damn time. I like it. I'm fine with it. Oh, uh, yeah. No, again, he's he's playing another amazing mentor character. He's he's playing another Obi Wan because the the way it's framed in the movie, anyway, 
Uh, you know, Elliot Ness is the straight laced white knight, the untouchable. Uh, but he's never going to take Capone down that way because that's not the you know you, you got to get into a street fight and and he needs someone who's better on the block and knows knows Chicago because he doesn't. Uh, and that's where Connery's character comes in, and that that's the again, the buddy cop element comes in. Of uh, look, you gotta get a little dirty, and and I'll get a little clean, and in the middle, we'll uh, we'll get Capone. Um, even though Capone and Ness never actually met. <clears throat> Are you telling me that Elliot Ness never threw a guy off the roof of a courthouse? Can neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> but he definitely didn't shout anything to Capone at his hearing. <laughs> yeah. Never stopped fighting until the fighting's done. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that didn't happen. Uh, but yeah. I'll be damned if it doesn't make for a great third act. It does. It makes a wonderful movie all the way through. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And as you pointed out, he uh Connery won his his only Oscar, best supporting actor for the uh the Untouchables. Yeah. Deservedly so. Well deserved. I. Yeah, that was the top of my list of, of my favorite Connery movies. So, Scott, you said that you had another. You had some ones that people didn't know about necessarily well, or think of. Know, but it's you know, I think these these movies these are my favorite Connery movies that get uh, overshadowed a lot by his his more mainstream and famous roles. Uh, um, say they're great, you know, they're like awesome because. His uh, 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 the ones he's known for, the ones he's known for for a reason. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I'm a little weird and somewhat eclectic in my tastes. Uh, things that I like. I don't know if you know that about me. Yeah, never well, noticed this say, behavior before. Yeah, I was so, just gonna say I have one on my list that I was gonna bring up, and you you may have seen this. I don't know if John's ever seen it or not, but I've seen it, and it's really good. And he does a really great job again as a supporting role. Uh-huh. Um, Finding Forrester. I've not seen that one. That that's on my list of because as, as I was going through and I was looking back through his through his his uh, his IMDb and his credits and stuff, I did jot down several that I'd never seen, but I'm like I kind of wouldn't mind to see that, you know. And that was Jim, one. Of I have Finding Forrester listed under my best quotes section, but you've never seen it. Do you want to do the honors? I, no, I I've seen it. Would... Oh, you have seen it. No, I. It's known for one thing and one thing only at this point. I've never. I. It's been so long since I've seen it. So. You're the man now, dog. Oh, <laughs> yes. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I've never seen this movie. It's actually a pretty good movie. It's um, Sean Connery plays a an. A, an author who's kind of living a shut-in life, right? Am I remembering this correctly? And then uh, he befriends uh, a sort of from-the-wrong-side-of-the-tracks kid who wants to be a writer, and they kind of strike up this friendship, and he helps him become a better writer. And I believe at one point in time he's accused of plagiarism. I believe that's the the big conflict, yeah. And then that brings Forrester like out. Yep, it's it's one of those. Uh, yeah, who is really teaching who? Kind of yeah. stories. It's 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 not bad. Yeah. Um, 
it, it got plenty of acclaim when it came out, but I think nowadays, because that was in 2001, 2002? That was 2000. 2000. Okay. Uh, there's a scene where they're, I forget what they're doing. They're hanging out together, and Connery's character gets toasty. Uh, and in in his drunkenness, <laughs> starts spouting off uh, what Hollywood writers would call uh, young urban uh, dialogue, including the very two thousands phrase, "You're the man now, dog." Yes. <laughs> Which is, yeah. I contend, what that movie will forever be known for is <laughs> <laughs> number five on my list of favorite Sean Connery quotes. Oh. Did we hit number one? How many have we covered? Uh, there's one I haven't said, but it's pretty obvious. We'll circle uh, back to it if you haven't hit on it yet. But we did uh, we did the uh, <clears throat> Wine About Your Best, uh, Sorry Son They Got Us, The Chicago Way, which I butchered earlier. and uh, <laughs> You're the man now, dog. <laughs> yep. Which will never not make me laugh. Hey, uh, <clears throat> do you guys know what time Sean Connery goes to Wimbledon? God, here we go. Um, what time? Jay? Tennis. <laughs> tennis. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> We're gonna go ahead and bring up Celebrity Jeopardy now. <laughs> oh, God. I'll yes. take the rapists for a five hundred. That's therapists. <laughs> oh, just the way your mother likes it, Trebek. And you wagered moo. That doesn't even make sense. It's the sound your mother made last night. <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry. Celebrity Jeopardy with Sean Connery. Hilarious. Look, you know you've made it as an icon of pop culture when SNL bases a parody character around you for recurring yeah. skits. Yep. Oh, man. It's it's the, the uh, actor's equivalent to Weird Al did a parody of one of your songs as a musician. That's when you know you've made it. Uh, I think I love the Sean Connery one, but thinking about um, Celebrity Jeopardy now, my favorite has to be when Tom Hanks was Tom Hanks. I think I saw that one. Oh, God. Yeah, he plays himself, and he like he speaks into the clicker because he thinks it's a microphone. <laughs> it's it's a good one. It's good. Burt Reynolds, you've named yourself Turd Ferguson. Yeah, it's a good name. <laughs> you like, like the hat? hat? It's really big, <laughs> so it's funny. It's funny because it's bigger than a regular sized hat. That, uh, that that whole that whole those whole skits, all of them are great. Oh. Uh, Scott, what under underappreciated role did you have to bring up? Well, so I've got uh, so I've got I got four here that I really like. Uh, okay, one, one of them is the Untouchables. We've already okay. touched. It, it's top of my list. I love it. We touched uh, the Untouchables. Untouchables. <laughs> 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 so uh, another movie that I, I like. This is actually the year uh, he does this one. The year after the Untouchables. Uh, with Mark Harmon. It's a movie called The Presidio. I don't know if, if anybody has seen no. it. No. That's, uh, no. Is it the Navy murder mystery one? It's a murder mystery. It's not uh, It's not Navy. Uh, okay. I'm mixing up two movies then. And it, it's Army. Uh, he plays the lieutenant colonel. Um, uh, Mark Harmon plays uh, a San Francisco cop 
I think it's San Francisco. Yeah, San Francisco. Um, and uh, Meg Ryan plays uh, Sean Connery's daughter, uh, who is uh, dating and I think engaged to Mark Harmon's character. Um, and Mark Harmon is very anti-military. He's just he's your he's your kind of uh, uh, I don't know what you call it the uh, fast and loose kind of you know detective character and then Sean Connery's the straight laced. It's it's definitely you know going into that nineties buddy cop thing because they, they had to team up. There's a murder on the grounds of the Presidio. Hey uh, if it ain't broke don't fix it. Yeah. So so they have to team up to find out you know the conspiracy who who did the murder, what's going on. They uncover a bunch of a bunch of conspiracy stuff on things that are going on in the Presidio. But I love the movie. Um of course it's I love Mark Harmon, Meg Ryan. Jack Warden's in the film. It's just got a great cast. It's, just, it's a simple plot. They like you say, if they broke, don't fix it. They don't try to do anything new. They they follow the format uh, and stick to it. Um, but uh, of course, me being the, the Trekkie that I am, the the reason I watched it in the first place is it's it's all over the grounds of the Presidio, and uh, uh, we all know the Star Trek connection there. So I, I certainly don't have to spell that out for anybody pretend for just a minute <laughs> just one don't second all know that yeah <laughs> just for a half second and, and explain it to us like we didn't know that. yeah so, you know what the presidio is right a like, casino yeah, it's a sean connery movie <laughs> besides that well the actual presidio, the actual presidio it's, it's uh it, it's uh kind of like west point it's it's on the west coast but it's on the west coast it's a uh uh military uh academy uh uh, officer training uh, and such for the U.S. Army. Uh, and uh, in Star Trek, in the 23rd, 24th century, um, Starfleet Academy is is on the grounds of the Presidio in San Francisco. So, basically, they're at Starfleet Academy. Nice. So, um, yeah, it's great. At one point, he gets into uh, uh, <clears throat> he gets into a, a fight with this drunkard at a bar, who uh, who's who's bent hell bent on on uh, picking a fight with him, and he keeps calling him major. You know he's in his class A's and everything, and uh, and he turns to him because he's finally he's trying to stay out of it. He's trying to stay out of it. He's trying to just give him his space, but the guy won't leave him alone. And he, he, he turns to him, you know, and he's like, "Really want to have a fight?" Because I'm not going to use anything but my thumb. My right thumb. Because my left thumb is just too powerful for you. <laughs> and literally proceeds to kick the shit out of me with just his thumb. Um, uh, it's, a, it's a great fight. Of course, it leads to the thing he's getting pinned up against the wall. And he, he in that lovely Sean Connery delivery, you know, he shows him the, the, the rank insignia. Uh, and he's like, gold oak leaves are majors. Silver oak leaf is a lieutenant colonel. And that's where the fight ends. Because the other guy's like, half out. He's, he's gone. He's done. It's a good scene. But that's one of my that's one of my favorite Sean Connery movies and roles. <clears throat> uh, that people don't talk about much. Once again, gets overshadowed. Yeah. By his other stuff. Uh... The the other one, another one that I got that I love, uh, and, and this you really can't call this a Sean Connery movie, 
Um, he's a supporting character in it, but he steals the show when he's in it. He's playing King Agamemnon. Uh, in uh, he plays a lot of kings and stuff, but uh, he plays King Ag- Agamemnon in uh, 1981's Time Bandits. Oh man, yeah, a lot of people forget he's in Time Bandits. That's what the Avengers wanted to be. <laughs> Quirky British humor. <clears throat> British humor. Don't it was play. um uh Terry um uh... Terry Gilliam. Thank you. Yeah, uh, it's a good movie if you've never seen it. Um. You've got uh, basically a bunch of dwarves who were helping uh, God build the universe, um, except uh, they, they stole the blueprints uh, and uh, before it was complete. And there, there are all these cracks. And if you, if you have the map to the universe, you, you know where the cracks are. You can, you can kind of slip back and forth through time uh, and stuff. So very tongue-in-cheek, but I love it. Lots of great cameos. It is, yeah. It's just riddled with cameos. It's right up there as far as favorite movies. Uh, just like another one, uh, Sean Connery's not in it, but I love uh, The Adventures of Baron Munchausen. Huh. It's a great movie. But that's neither here nor there. Uh, last on my list of uh, um, movies that Sean Connery is in that I love to watch that's not his, you know, his big ones. Uh, and it doesn't get talked about it much and he actually sings in this movie okay that's not where i was going yeah, he actually sings in this movie and he, he's got a he's got a decent voice um 1959 darby o'gill and the little people uh, i knew you were gonna bring that up god i love this movie it's a great movie i almost got through the whole episode i bring that movie up ah. <laughs> so yeah he plays the Basically, you got Darby O'Gill as the old caretaker and, and stuff, and he, he traps the king of the, the leprechauns. Uh, and uh, um, uh, Sean Connery plays... Yeah, it's going to be basically his replacement, and also I think he's slated to marry his daughter you know, in it and stuff. So, yeah. Never seen it. 1959. You should watch it. Despite, you know, John's reaction, you should watch it. Uh, it sure is a Disney movie from the 50s. It is a Disney movie. I'll give it that. Um, I've got one, uh, a big one, on my um, lesser known. Because I love this movie. Um, and it, it really kind of got lost in the shuffle. Even when it came out, it kind of got lost in the shuffle. Uh, it is a really interesting rehash of an old premise. Uh, has everyone seen High Noon? I want to say yes, but it's... Uh... I'm familiar with it. It they Because it's like it the course of the movie, like the running time of the movie is one-to-one for time, right? Yes, yes. So High Noon is classic Western with Gary Cooper from notes uh 1952 he plays a marshal in town and basically the ticking clock is um this notorious bad guy and his gang are coming into town he's got one of the gang members locked up in his jail cell and they're going to break him out and he's trying to find people to help him do the right thing and 
fight off these bandits. And no one in the town will help him. It's famous for a big crane shot where it's it's it's, it's about to be high noon when the train arrives. And uh, it's this big crane shot where it's literally just this one man alone in the entire town as a train's pulling in. Um, the 1980s, 1981, gave us high noon in space. We're talking about Outland from 1981, where you supplant Western Town with a space mining station where a drug ring is running rampant through all the workers. They're they're getting high on the job and getting themselves killed. Sean Connery is the, for lack of a better term, sheriff, marshal of the space station. And it's the same premise, ticking clock. Uh, the gang leader and his crew were coming back around on the next um, rotation, and they're going to be confronting him, and he's trying to find people to help him stand up and do the right thing, and he's he's on his own. Um, but it's all on a space station because space makes everything new again. Um, but really great character work from Connery. He's a very flawed character um, <clears throat> who's trying to do the right thing, even though it's kind of against character. Um, cool action scenes and really cool, um, credible sci-fi setting. It's not like... You know, Star Wars space fantasy kind of shit. It's, it's more, um, um, I was going to say the Martian, but that's a trigger word for certain people. Um, more science, uh, 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 more science than we'll go with. Um, really great movie. Uh, you can get it on uh, Amazon Prime, but give that one a look. It's, it's fun. What was the name of that one? Outland. Okay. All right. Not to be confused with Outlander, which right. is And then I don't necessarily recommend this because I don't think it's a very good movie, but I have to mention it because again, I don't know if you guys know this about me, but I kinda like Robin Hood. Right. Uh and Sean Connery did in fact play Robin Hood in the film Robin and Marion which follows both Robin and Marion, as you might guess, uh, in their later years. Um, not the best Robin Hood movie, but it does accurately depict the legend of the death of Robin Hood uh, to a degree. Uh, Marion's joined a co- uh, convent. So uh, more of a rom-com than I thought it was going to be when I picked it up the first time. Um, but still, it's Sean Connery playing Robin Hood, so I am legally bound to mention it. Well, right. so piggybacking off of that, but circling back around to our theory and legend. Okay. Uh, on the list of things that, that uh, I, I now want to see is uh, a movie I'd never heard of until I started looking at this, uh, Sword of the Valiant. <laughs> uh, I've never seen it, but it, you know, the legend of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, he plays the Green Knight. and It's it's special, Scott. <laughs> well, like, I've never seen anything else that, that does anything with the Green Knight from Arthurian legend, or that whole story. So, just seeing that there is a movie that exists, albeit the poster for it looks really interesting when I look it up. But, I believe either Riff Tracks or MST3K did a Riff version of that. Uh, I could be wrong on that, but... So, so double check which version you're getting. Oh, I gotta see it now. I gotta see both of them. <laughs> it just makes it even more appealing for me. And now that you said that, I think there is, or there was supposed to be, because hashtag 2020 ruins everything, uh, there is a new movie coming out about the Green Knight, I believe. Oh, really? 
Let me look it up. It would help if I spelled night correctly. It's K N I G H. Shut up. No, it's Knigget. Uh, yes, the Green Knight, uh, fantasy retelling of the medieval story of Sir Gawain and the Green Knight, uh, completed with Joel Edgerton and Dev Patel and Alicia Vikander, Sean Harris, and, uh, currently has no release date because 2020. So there you go. Yay. It'll be on streaming soon. It's okay. Hopefully. Uh, Um... Any other little-known rules we haven't talked about or underappreciated rules? Not that I... No, I didn't have any. Okay. Uh, then I'm going to jump into uh, my last topic, which is in another world. So we spent today talking about how amazing Sean Connery is and how a sprinkle of Sean Connery saves every movie and how much we love Sean Connery. So now we're going to shift into... Imagine, if you will... Uh, in a world where Sean Connery played any one of these roles that he eventually turned down. And I'm going to start with the obvious ones that I think most people know about. Uh, he was originally offered the role of Gandalf in Lord of the Rings. Wow. See, I yeah, I knew about that one. Mm-hmm. But actually on my if only list, mm-hmm. I wanted to hear him do a voice again. Okay. And so what I said is, if only, if they had cast him as Treebeard, the Ent. Ooh. That would have been good. I think I would have accepted that a lot more than seeing him as, as Gandalf the Grey. But yeah. Of course, I'm also going off that after seeing uh, Sir Ian McClellan's uh, uh, performance. So Yeah, I put that up there with, like, Tom Selleck as Indiana Jones, like, he could have made a cool Indiana Jones, but it wouldn't be the Indiana Jones we know. And we right. already have that one. So it's kind of hard to compare. Like it's apples and oranges. So like, I think he could have made a cool Gandalf, but it wouldn't be the Gandalf we have now. And like, I don't want to lose the Gandalf we have now. So it's, right. hard, it's hard to get the prejudice out of your head. Yeah. You know, um, <clears throat> he was off for the role of Dumbledore in the Harry Potter series. Oof. Duh. Wow. No. <laughs> Damn. That was quick. No. Like. Okay. No. <laughs> I'm sorry. That's after seeing. Because what was it? Two different people, right? Yeah. 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 We lost the first one. Because he was in the first two. It was yeah. Michael Gambon and then. I forget the other guy. He. The, the, the second guy did a gr- uh, great job. I thought. And one of the best recasts ever. Yeah. I just can't see Sean Connery being Dumbledore. Fair enough. I just can't. I can't even wrap my head around it. He's being like, You're a wizard, Harry Potter. (laughs) Okay, now I want you to keep that voice in your head. I want you to use that same accent, Jay. Uh huh. And I want you to say, as Sean Connery, Welcome to Jurassic Park. I have that on my list. <laughs> because he was originally offered the role of John Hammond in Jurassic Park. I didn't even know that. And I put on my list, if only. And I was like, oh, my, and I said to Megan, I'm like, oh, my God. Imagine if Sean Connery had been John Hammond. What like, would that have sounded like, Jay? Welcome to Jurassic Park. 
He would have sung the the soundtrack too. That was nice of him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. This one, this one, I could see he could have pulled off. Nothing against. I can't think of the actor who played John Hammond. He did a great job, but man, oh, Sean Connery as John Hammond. No, I, I look. I love Sean Connery, but I really, really don't think um, he would have been a good fit for John Hammond. Just because, and, and granted, if you're going book John Hammond, then yes, uh, all, all day long he could have pulled that character off. But Spielberg and uh, Richard Attenborough kind of reshaped John Hammond in the movies. He's much more grandfatherly in the movies than he is in the books, and and I don't, I, I, I can't see Sean Connery. Um, um, softening his edges enough to to pull off that version of John Hammond. Now again, again, book John Hammond, sure, but I, I don't know. I mean, he. I don't know. Uh, the next role kind of hurts me that he turned it down, but I can absolutely understand why, because uh, I think it's the worst movie in this series. Uh, but I love me some Austin Powers, International Man of Mystery. It is the best James Bond spoof ever made because it's a loving spoof of James Bond. The sequels I'm not going to talk about, except for this one, what I have to talk about. In the third movie, we meet Austin Powers' father, Nigel Powers, the role of which was originally offered to Sean Connery. Um, And I only would have wanted to see him come back if they could have pulled off. You were also reportedly going to meet Austin Powers' mother, who was supposed to be played by Honor Blackburn. Uh, I think I wrote that down right. Uh, the actress who played Pussy Galore. So the original yeah. joke was supposed to be Bond and Pussy Galore were the parents of Austin Powers. That would have been awesome. Nice. That would have been a good joke. Yeah. Wouldn't have saved that movie because Austin Powers 3 is dog crap. But yeah. that cameo would have been cool. Um, but I also, I love Michael Caine. He's one of my, one of my favorite actors as well. So I was... He pulled it off. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> another one that I think most people know about, uh, and I cannot wrap my head around this. Um, he was originally offered the role of Morpheus in The Matrix. Oof, D. Can't can't wrap my head around that. It just it doesn't oh, work. I can see that one. You I take would... the red pill. <laughs> <laughs> Take the blue pill. See how far the rabbit hole goes. He's beginning to believe. <clears throat> you you the, think that's air you're breathing now? The Oracle. She told me that you were the one. Yeah. I can't. I can't. I, I can't. I cannot wrap my head around that. Um, part of me wants to hop to a universe where he said yes, and that movie happened. Uh, but that is directly what led into him taking the role in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Um, he did not understand the, uh, the script for the Matrix at all. He just didn't get it, so he turned it down, and it became the Matrix. So when Alex G came around, it's like, well, it's another one of those weird sci-fi comic booky things that I don't seem to understand, but everyone seems to love them. So I guess we'll do that one. Well, um, also in 1999, Sean Connery would have been 69 years old. Yeah. Like I can't see him. And doing that would have been like ninety six ish when they offered him the part. So right, 
Yeah, I can't. Uh, now, apparently they did offer him another role for the sequels. He was also originally offered the role of the architect for Matrix Reloaded, yeah, which I can see him sense. more in. Yeah, but... I would like yeah. <laughs> Maybe that scene would have made more sense if I was listening to Sean Connery exposit for like an hour and a half. That's how long that scene is, right? You're the seventh iteration of the one. Well, is the Kung Fu (laughs) happening again? I'm sorry, what? We're going to send you back. Talk about the most abrupt exposition dump in cinematic history. Whew. Uh, I've got one more that's just for Scott. Uh-oh. Because no one else is going to know who this character is, but you're going to appreciate this. Imagine, if you will, in a world where in a Star Trek movie we decide to introduce the fact that Spock has a brother. Uh, Apparently, the role of Cybok was originally offered to Sean Connery. Wow. Sean Connery, the Vulcan who embraced emotion and is the half-brother of Spock. So Vulcan needs a slap, I'll give him a slap. Damn. What movie yeah. was he in? Star Trek V. The five yep. It's the it's the one that uh uh William sorry, what's what's the, the nickname we're supposed to call him? Bill fucking Shatner directed. Yeah. Bill fucking Shatner. <laughs> It's the story of how William Shatner became Bill fucking Shatner. Sorry. <laughs> Way off topic with that one. But yeah, uh, I, I saw that, Scott, and I was like, okay, that's wow. got to go on the list. Uh, I think I, again, I think that would, if that had happened, I think that would be on the list of great performances from terrible movies, because I don't know if you could save that movie. But But at the same time, uh, even if he had been cast, if he'd accepted the role, I still don't think he would have made it to screen because I think he, I mean, William Shatner trying to direct Sean Connery. Yeah, can you imagine Bill Shatner not being the biggest name on his own set? Yes, exactly. It would yeah. never. Uh, and, and and they would have they killed each other. <laughs> Which one is the only one? Uh, it's the one where uh, the end is, why does God need a starship? Yeah, oh that one. Yeah, it's, the Enterprise gets taken over by the Vulcan, who somehow does some kind of freaky, weird cult hippie love thing with the crew and makes everybody follow him, and uh, by doing a weird mind meld takeover yep. thing. Yeah, yep. yeah, is that the what is it something? Oh, the undiscovered Star- country. That's the one. Yeah, that's Star Trek Six. Uh, no, my bad. What's okay? Star Trek Five is the Final Frontier. Oh, there that, you go. My bad. Okay. It's an odd number one, so we don't talk about it. <laughs> As per the rules of Star Trek movies. <clears throat> um, I have a hypothetical one that I came up with. Okay. That I just thought I'd toss to you guys to see what you thought. So. One thing I noticed about Sean Connery roles is he seems to play a lot of um, kings and knights and sort of dabbles in the medieval culture type characters. Mm -hmm. So I was like, oh, well, what's something, you know, and I was thinking more than just movies. What's something that's sort of medieval 
that he would have excelled in. And I was like, oh, you know, he would have been good in, um, oh, Jesus. No, I just, I just had a brain fart. I haven't heard of that show. Game of Thrones. There we go. Game of Thrones. Mm, nope. Wow. And, anyway. I've, hard I've no. Seen, I've only seen like half of season one of Game of Thrones. So. Uh, great show to last season, but I, I think the problem there, Jay, is <clears throat> with Game of Thrones, as soon as you bring somebody that big in, uh, it dynamic of the show. Because part of the dynamic of Game of Thrones is no one is that important. Uh, anyone can die at any time by anyone's hand for any reason. So either you're bringing him in to anchor the entire show, which makes it boring because, well, you can't kill him. He's Sean Connery. Or he's just there for a season. So you're like, well, he's going to die because there's no way they can get Sean Connery to do 10 seasons of this. Like, his star power alone makes that like a no-go for me. Okay. But uh, can you at least hear out what character I thought he could be? Okay. Only <laughs> if you say Jon Snow. Uh, no, actually, Tywin Lannister. See, Charles Dance is awesome as that. I'm not saying he wasn't. Personally, uh, if I was going to cast Sean Connery as anybody uh, in Game of Thrones, it would have been the, uh, the the leader of the, uh, what are they, the, the, the Night Watch or whatever, the, the people up north. I. I think the um, the maester at the Night's Watch, who turns out to be a Targaryen, that would have been a cool role for Sean Connery. The the master. I refuse to call them maesters. Maester, M-A-E, maester. The dumbass spelling. It's a dumbass pronunciation. <laughs> They're a freaking master. Yeah, the meister. Got it. Maester. What? The heat miser? Are we talking about... The, the, the kaiser? Wait, what? The cold miser. Kaiser Soze? <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right. Well, hard pass. I'm, I just thought I'd throw it out there. Yeah, I, I appreciate the uh, left uh, left field thinking, buddy. Uh, well, there's one quote we haven't gotten to. And if, any, if anyone else has something to say, I don't want to step on toes. But I think it's a great quote to end it with. Anybody else? Got anything to throw out there? Get everything on the field? No, I love Sean Connery. That depends. Can you at least tell me which movie the quote is from? Um, no. Okay. Because there's a, there's a movie that, that needs to be mentioned. Okay. Sean Connery that hasn't been mentioned. Oh, boy. Are we... <sighs> you know it has to be mentioned. It is it is it is it the worst costume ever? The worst costume ever. Okay. It has Let's do this. Let's do it. it. Zardoz, nineteen seventy four. <laughs> I tried to watch it last night because I've never seen it, and two fire sticks refused to play it. So <laughs> I consider that a sign. <laughs> yes, this movie is. I don't know who was smoking what when it came to, to making this movie or or that that costume that he's in, which is an orange diaper with crisscrossed orange uh, uh, suspenders uh, and a Webley uh, and, and thigh-high boots uh, with 
more hair that's in than that is in a Japanese hair suit porno. But yeah. Wow. Well, I don't want to watch this movie. No, you don't, Jay. Stashes of all time, though. It is bad 70s sci-fi. Even better. Oh, God, yeah. But yeah, the, 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 this movie has to be mentioned just for that costume alone. Yeah. Like, Arnold Schwarzenegger in his prime might have been able to pull off that look. It's, I mean, it's, it's basically Conan with some bandoliers, but... Uh, Whew, Connery. Uh, we appreciate it, but he was already... Uh, pushing 40, I believe. Yeah. When that movie came out. So... Whew, buddy. He's brave. He's braver than I am for wearing that in public. Actually, he was, he was born in 1930, so he would have been 44 when that movie oh. yeah. All right, man. Yeah. Well. So anyway, go ahead. Sorry. Now that we've addressed Zardoz, <laughs> uh, let's let's bring things back up. By uh, <clears throat> so this has been our look back and our loving tribute to Sean Connery, and hopefully we mentioned some stuff you loved and uh, maybe some things we haven't seen yet. So you can still go out there and, and discover some nuggets from the man that you haven't gotten around to. Like I said, ninety-four film appearances. There's bound to be something you haven't seen. Um, and I cannot not, or I cannot end this without mentioning that um, in 1989, at the age of 59, he was voted sexiest man alive by People Magazine. I would have slept with him. Uh, I mean, look, there's something <laughs> undeniable about the, uh, the whatever it is that is Sean Connery. Um, and with that, I'm going to end with my number one quote uh, from Sean Connery. And you know where I'm going with this because love it, hate it, indifferent. It is going to be the role that he, it's going to be, if there's any role on his tombstone, it's going to be this. So Sean, thank you for all the years and all the amazing films you gave us. Some of the most iconic and memorable performances. Um, We'll miss you, but you'll live on forever. Um, Whether we know you as Sean Connery or James Mason or Jim Malone or Bond, James Bond. <laughs>